She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of She Loves Herself, the podcast. So it's Friday, which means we have another guest. I'm so excited to announce this guest. I always say this, Jonah. I'm so excited about this guest. I'm so excited about this guest. This guest is the first male guest on the She Loves Herself podcast. This is really important to me, everyone. Now, I have called this podcast She Loves Herself, but it's not completely exclusive to women. I don't want a divide. I want all beings to feel safe, to feel supported, um, irrespective of gender, race. Um, and this is really, really important to me, um, being a mum to two boys. So Vaz is my first male guest. I'm really excited. So it's Vaz Morgan. Now, some of you may know Vaz from being in Taui. So the only way is Essex, if, if, if people don't know what Taui is. But I think most people know what Taui is, right? But he left Taui a few years back. He launched his own magazine called Tings London. And in March 2020, he also launched the I Am Enough platform. And this is a safe space for people to discuss mental health issues without judgment or stigma. And I think right now, I want to say right now more than ever, um, it's always needed, right? But I think now it's so topical and so, so important. And last week we obviously had Amy Irons on talking about her partner taking his own life a few years ago and the effects that it had on her and her own mental health. It was just a beautiful episode and I got so many messages about that. So thank you, everyone. Um, so back to Vaz, Vaz really, what I love about Vaz, he's not afraid to stand up and speak his truth. Even if some people don't like what he has to say, he speaks his truth and he speaks from his heart. And what he's doing right now is helping so many people. Um, following the death of George Floyd, um, Vaz actually used his platform to raise over £50,000 to provide free mental health support to black communities. It's just amazing. And, and he does use his platform to help support men and women. Um, he talks in this episode about trolling and the damage that it has on people's mental health. He also talks openly and honestly about how people in positions can use their power to influence other people's, you know, to troll. And we talk about that. Now, this was actually recorded before Piers Morgan walked off of Good Morning Britain. Um, but we do talk about Piers and um, how... Vaz feels that Piers has contributed to people really, really struggling on there. Now, I must admit, I have to agree, I think we often forget that we have a platform and people are watching, particularly if you're someone like Piers or you're really in the public eye. And we can either use that platform to help transform and change lives or we can use that platform to 
damage people's lives. Now, I'm not judging anyone right now, but this conversation is open and it's honest and it's topical. And I think that you guys are going to get a lot from this episode and from what Baz shares. So without further ado, let's go in with an open heart, an open mind and no judgment. Enjoy. She loves herself with Jill Ritchie. So welcome to the She Loves Herself podcast, Baz Morgan. Yay! Hi, hi, hi. And thank you so much for having me on. And I love the name She Loves Herself because everyone should love themselves. So it's a great name. Yeah, it is a great name, right? Because when I was younger, you know, I'm 41 now, right? I'm 41, I'm 40. But when I was younger, the term She Loves Herself was such a negative thing. Like, oh my God, you know, she loves herself. And, you know, actually I caught my mum saying it about someone before Christmas, she was like, oh, I'm not sure about her. She really loves herself. I was like, mom, you know, this, this, these terms, like it's such a bad thing. Like how can we possibly love anyone fully when we don't fully love our whole self? You know, all the, the, the highs and lows, the shadow parts, all the parts of ourselves as a whole. And I absolutely love your T-shirts. So for the people who are just listening to this podcast or not actually watching, Vaz has got his I Am Enough T-shirt on. <gasps> I love this, right? So let's just get right into I Am Enough, okay? Because this is something that these are affirmations that I certainly practice on a daily basis, and I talk to my clients about this as well. Talk to us about I am enough and how that was created for yourself. Basically, I was in the lowest part of my life and I went to a rehab facility. I was suffering from addiction, depression. I was, you know, having extreme suicidal thoughts. And in this facility, I... I, became, I came to realize that the core reason behind my addiction and my depress, depressing episodes were that I didn't value myself and I didn't, I didn't love myself at all. I didn't think I was enough. You know, I grew up in a society where being homosexual wasn't accepted. Mm. And so I was always hiding that side of myself. And then when I was at, when I was, whilst I was at home, then when I was out, a lot of my friends were, we were like from like Essex white backgrounds. I was brought up in Essex. I was the only black in the village. So I didn't feel white enough and I didn't feel straight enough. So I didn't feel enough. I was almost always playing a different role. I was always like whitening myself, like hard to explain, but you know, uh, or straightening myself. So in this rehab facility, I learned to love myself for who I am, you know, a black gay man and be proud of both of that both of those sides of me and to love myself. And at the end of that four month journey, the one takeaway, main takeaway I took from it was that I am enough. Mm. Wow. Gosh, you are right. And so just going into that a little bit deeper, when you said you're, you know, um, the only black in the, the Essex village and so on, right? When you said you were playing a role, and this is really common for people to play a role because they think who they are is not good enough and it's not accepted. What age do you think that started for you then, Vaz? I think from very young. I was the only black person in my classroom. I was the only black person on my street, you know. So I was always 
hyper-aware that I was different from my surroundings. My sexuality didn't come into play until I was about 14 when I started having sexual feelings. And at that time, it was so young, I didn't know whether it was men or women. When I was about 16, 17, I, you know, I was pretty sure that I was into, gay, into men and that I was gay. And so, again, I didn't know any gay people. And back then in, you know, 90s, there wasn't much on TV. There wasn't much in popular culture of gay culture other than, you know, there'd be like EastEnders' first gay kiss. And it was such a huge thing that it was still like made me ostracized. So I still genuinely felt that I was the only gay in the village. So being the only black and being the only gay, I felt so different from everyone around me. And there was nothing like me on TV. There was nothing like me anywhere in popular culture for me to idolize mm. so from that age I'd say 15 I already felt that I had to play a role and be different because myself wasn't included mm. and so then that starts to then affect your mental health at such a young age and did you feel at that age then that you just kind of went along with it was it was it maybe later on in life that it all sort of started to take its toll on you do you did you just think well this is me I'm this person now I'm playing this role now you know what was the point or when did it get to a point where you where it all kind of came and smacked you right in the face really I think um it wasn't until I went to rehab three years ago that I realized that I was you know that was a good 15 years 10-15 years of me playing a role Mm. Or, or wearing different masks you know I'd be wearing so many different masks to mask my true identity and mm. my true self that I genuinely didn't know who I was anymore like I didn't I thought I was having fun and loving life but I didn't realize that I was deeply depressed and deeply you know unvalued within myself I had internalized homophobia where where I got a bit older and sexuality became way more accepted as we've seen the huge development in you know gay rights um, still a long way to go, but we've seen a huge development over the last 10 years. I would say that I was accepted everywhere apart from within myself. So mm. that created its own walls for me to climb. Yeah. And so how did you um, escape from that? You know, use, you know, we have things, coping mechanisms and, you know, things that we turn to to numb us from really going internally and, and figuring it out. So what was your escape then? I think my number one thing was the mask of funny. Like I'd turn into the funny man, the entertainer. So I would light up a room with so much entertainment that people would forget that people wouldn't look past me entertaining to see that there's anything wrong, you know? So I think my, ne- my main coping mechanism was to entertain. My second one was alcohol and drugs. I would just get absolutely smashed to the point where I didn't care about what people thought mm. or what I thought anymore. I'd numb those feelings. Yeah. That was a mixture of those two, I'd say. Mm. And what did you think people did think? You know, because often we think, oh, they think this about me. They're judging, they're thinking this. But in actual fact, it's a mirror back to us and what we think about ourselves, right? So what was your belief versus reality, do you think, then? Well, my biggest belief was that I, I wasn't enough, you know, mm-hmm. and the reality is that I am. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, but I guess I just thought, you know, I, I wanted to be straight or I wanted to be, I never wanted to be white, but I wanted to be accepted for being black, mm. you know? 
So mm. I guess my biggest belief was that I wasn't accepted. And my, the reality is I was accepted. I wasn't accepting myself. Mm. That's it. And actually, yeah, and that's, that, that's what I'm saying, isn't it? It's because we can start to believe that people won't accept me, people don't accept me, but actually it's us a lot of the time that don't accept ourselves. And until we do that internal work to fully let go, I guess, of shame and pain that we've built up over years, mm -hmm. when we can let that go and fully start to love ourselves, which by the way, it's a term that goes thrown around, right? Oh, you know, you've got to love yourself first. And people are like, yeah, yeah. But actually, it's so true. And loving all those parts and forgiving those parts and, and almost holding space for shame because it sounds like there was a lot of shame that you held over a period of time. Yeah, and you know, it's still an onward journey. I still carry a lot of those feelings. Like even to this day, I would never bring a guy home to my family because even though they've accepted now and would be okay with it, I still have this great big barrier of it's not okay to be gay, you know? So like, although I know it is, there's still this subconscious like feeling of 30 years of, of hating myself because of it that's, that I need to get through, which is I think a main reason why I've never been in an adult, uh, in a relationship, you know? And I've never given myself to someone because I don't feel like it's okay. Even though I know it is, it's really hard to explain to people. Oh, I get it. Oh, you don't need to try and explain it to me. I completely get it. Mm -hmm. It's almost that um, you're like, I get it on a, on a conscious level. I get yeah. it. Of course, I, I deserve to be loved. I'm a good person. I am enough. You know, I, but actually the years and years of programming and conditions, that just isn't unpicked over, you know, a few Possible. months. Yeah. It, it isn't. And it's actually, it's, you know, whilst this inner work that we do um, around our mental health, around our body, because actually our body keeps a lot of the emotion. So the head's one part, right? But the body stores so much trauma and emotion in our, you know, uh, in our being. And actually it's not easy to, because the mind will say, well, yeah, you can do it. But the body is just so closed off to, to fully opening the heart up and receiving because there's a part of you and, you know, as I'm tuning into you, you're probably like, what are you talking about? You're a bloody sound like a witch. <laughs> but as I'm tuning into you and what you're saying, it is this thing around, um, am I worthy of, of receiving this if it's causing pain for other people? You know, you talked about your parents um, and your family and was there a sense of bringing shame and inverted commas to them that therefore maybe made you feel like I... I struggle to then open the heart up to really let someone in to fully see me and, and receive me and be and receive love unconditionally. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. I think that's it, isn't it? It's sometimes we, as you said, we consciously know, like the mind knows, but actually the body has got so much trauma in it and it's not easy. So but I think, sorry. So much, and it's it's really hard. You know, sometimes I go for like Reiki sessions or massage therapies, and I'll just break out crying and not know why because I've been happy leading up to it. And it's because the body is stored so much trauma that I don't even know about. That you know, certain touches will release this trauma, and it's it's a really real thing. Oh, 
Yeah, without a doubt. I'll tell you, this morning I was just doing some breathing and repeating some affirmations and I went into my heart space and it's not easy to actually get into that heart space. And, you know, someone who practices this work all the time, like I, I always, you know, felt super loved by my, my mom and, and things, but I didn't have really a, a dad. There was no sort of male, um, figure there. Um, and my mom had a partner since I was, you know, five years old, um, Vaz, but there was separation there. So for me, um, I'd been in relationships and I've had this long-term partner I've been with for, you know, 11 years, but actually I hadn't realised how much my heart wasn't really fully open to receiving because it didn't feel safe. And consciously I'm like, but why? Like, this is crazy. This is silly. The mind's like, yeah, this is stupid. What are you going on about? Just open your heart up. It's safe. You know, this person's a good person. This person wants to love you. But actually those programs, and as you said, we don't know, actually we can't pinpoint it to one specific thing. And of course the mind wants to make, you know, label everything. Oh, that's because of this. We want to make stories. We want to make meaning out of everything. That's what the mind does. But actually, sometimes the body, like you said, when you go into a Reiki session, you can go in feeling good. And all of a sudden, these tears and these emotions are coming and you're like, whoa, what just happened there? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the body, um, you know, where people say, I'm I'm emotional. Um, you know, the body is just feeling the emotion. And, and I think that's it, you know, and I love that you that you said that. So you mentioned Reiki there. Was that part of your, you know, rehabilitation, your journey? Or is that just something more holistic that you've started to find now? I, it was part of my rehabilitation, but I've continued it for the last three years. And honestly, I love it. It really makes me feel much lighter after. And it does release a lot of that trauma out of your body and do you feel like speaking about it you know openly because you you know you've been on a big show like TOWIE and you know you've started your magazine and everything like that do you feel like it's like like safe to to share openly and vulnerably like that is that part of your healing process because it can be for so many right I mean I never used to talk about anything and now I just feel so open. Like I'm an open book. I will speak about openly anything you want to hear because it really is the most beneficial tool in my rehabilitation is to get things out and to speak to people. And, you know, speaking to strangers, speaking to the listeners of your podcast, speaking to my close family, speaking to anyone really does help. Obviously, you know, you don't want to give too much of yourself and give your personal trust to people that don't deserve it. However, for me, getting this stuff out really helps. So I think it's up to each person's personal journey. But for me personally, I love speaking about what I've been through because it helps and it may help people listening. Mm. And that's what I want to do. I want to spread as much positive love and healing power as possible. I love that. Well, I'm so glad that you're doing it on here as well because there's so many people that need to need to hear this. I think when you're in the public eye like yourself, there is a pressure, right, to for so many, you know, it depends on the person. Some might say there's no pressure, but I think there's a lot of people watching, eyes are watching, right? What you're doing, what you're wearing. And this is for anyone in, in the public eye, how you're showing up, how you're speaking. I think times are starting to change where people are starting to be a 
little bit more vulnerable. I think it's really difficult for, you know, some would say, oh, you know, it's amazing being a celebrity. Imagine being a celebrity, imagine that lifestyle. And yeah, I guess there's a lot of amazing things that come with that. But also there's no privacy, right? It's difficult to have that privacy and space. And, you know, I was going to touch on, you know, abuse and trolls and things like that, you know, for, for someone like myself or someone just listening to this, they don't have to deal with something like that. And that must be difficult. Have you found that part, like the trolls and how they show up and things like that? How's that been for you? Do you get a lot of it or not a lot? I get quite a lot of it. Um, you know, the, the common misconception is that when you sign up to on a reality TV show like Taui or when you sign up to be in the public eye, you know what you're getting yourself into and it comes hand in hand. But I genuinely think that's wrong because you don't expect that and you don't, it shouldn't come hand in hand because I get that everyone's entitled to a, an opinion and they're entitled to have that opinion, but they're not entitled to share it. And, you know, I have a lot of opinions, both negative and positive, whilst I'm scrolling on Instagram. But the negative ones I just keep to myself or I keep scrolling, or if I really need to get something out, I'll ring my best friend. I would never go under someone's picture or DM them my negative opinion. It just wouldn't come into my mind. So I just don't know what comes over some of these people that constantly DM me, comment on my pictures. Like I put part of my life out to the public by posting it on Instagram, but that does not warrant an invitation for hate. And it really doesn't. And I think that is a common misconception about being in the public eye that people think, well, you know what you signed up for, but there's no way. Like I, I am so happy with my life and happy with myself. And like, I'm so confident and I know that I'm enough. However, when you're someone, when you're constantly opening hundreds and hundreds of messages telling you things about yourself that you know are untrue, it does, it is, it will affect you. And it is upsetting. And I'm lucky that I'm quite strong, but, I get so upset for, I'm getting upset now. I get so upset for the young kids that are on social media that have to put up with this. Sorry. Oh God. I'm not upset for me because I know that I'm fine. But like yesterday, I read a story about a 12 year old who committed suicide, 12 years old. Like what must a 12 year old be going through to, to not want to live, you know? And these are the type of people, these are the kinds of people that are on social media putting themselves out there, to, even if it's the 10 followers that don't deserve to be attacked and abused. And it just gets worse and worse. And, you know, I do honestly think that the media and huge media personalities have a role to play in it as well, because you can say things that encourage trolling, which I don't think the media mm. are taking accountability for, you know, mm. you can have an opinion without encouraging negative trolling. Mm. And I just think it's, it's become such a problem. Suicide rates have gone up something like, something like 70% in the last five years, like mm. 10, something like 90% in the last 10 years. And this is since social media. So now we need to ask ourselves what, what has social media done to encourage suicides and it's trolling and mm. and having to compare yourself to people and then it's just it gets so dangerous it's a really dark space so yeah. i think people need to be careful of how they use oh their my god it's awful it's absolutely awful and i think 
oh, geez, you know, when you talked about that 12-year-old, you know, and this is happening regularly to people. It is. I mean, these are kids. And actually, these people that are trolling, God, what is going on in their own lives that, that makes them feel that they have to do this? You know, it's so dangerous. And have you ever got to a point where, you know, if, I guess... I mean, I remember someone said one thing about me and I was like, oh my God. So I was yeah. like, I think I had, this was like a couple of years ago and I put something on and I was trying, I was getting, trying to get fit and healthy. And then one person said something like, you look like an advert for anorexia. And I was just like, oh my God. But then because I've not, you know, I'm not in the public eye or anything, but I, re- but all my sister and everyone started attacking her. And I was like, a total keyboard war. And I was like, I just said to the girl, listen, I'm going to send you so much love because, That's you know, it's obviously now. something, you know, I hope you have a beautiful blessed day. You know, the, to be honest, the first reaction was, what a bitch. And I wanted just to go back at her. But I mean, and I, I think that was just nothing compared to what you have had to deal with and what other people deal with. It must be hard, right? You know, and I'm, I'm a very resilient person. I've, I work on this stuff daily, right? And I, I talk about it daily. But you must be, you must be able to go some in terms of resilience to be able to blank that out. How how, how do you do it or do you not do it? Do you just not look at it? No, honestly, I, I now feel sorry for people that send it. Yeah. And I feel a lot of compassion and a lot of pity for them because I'm like, how small is your life that you're so concerned about a strangers, you know? So yeah. I genuinely feel sorry for them. And I do the same, like your, your response, as you know, I send them so much love. Yeah. But my initial response is always to defend myself. To be like, no, I'm not this, yeah. no, I'm not that, no, da, da, da. But I'm like, what am I defending myself to? Like some random person who doesn't know me, doesn't know anything about me, doesn't know yeah. what makes me happy, doesn't know how I make people happy, doesn't know anything about me. So they're obviously going through something very dark and traumatic in their of own lives. Course. And so what they actually need is an abundance of love. So that's what I try and give to them. Yeah, you're right. And it's not easy, right? Because obviously the programmes, we just, we want to react. But actually you're right. Because yeah. when someone's acting like that, and this is... For anyone, when it when someone's being unkind and being shitty, it's nothing to do with you. Okay, it's it's been verbalized at you. However, yeah. happy people don't act that way. And it's almost like you need to separate them from you, not let them in that energy field, let them into your space, because it's nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. Um, as I say, happy people, right? People that have got good things going on in their life tend not to act like that. Um, and so do you think that coming out of that, so, you know, you were obviously in Towie and that was a big show um, for you at the time. What was your decision to leave? Like, cause you, you were in it for a while, then you left. Was that part of the journey of the healing journey just to get away from that and, and do something for yourself? Yeah, being on that show wasn't conducive to my happiness and yeah. it wasn't helping me grow mentally in the way that I should be should have been at that age. Um, it was contributing to my feelings of low self-worth and low self-esteem. And I had to remove myself from that situation to learn to value myself. I was never going to be valued when I was on national TV feeling 
such negative thoughts about myself and it was contributing to my my feeling ostracized my trolling everything that was making me go into a dark space being on national tv was contributing to that so until I was in a healthy mental place I didn't think it was right for me to be putting myself out there like that so I took time away and got healthy and then I came back I did celebs go dating and it was the best experience of my life yeah in a healthy place in my life you know Mm. I would say to anyone going on to TV, I know you do your psych tests and stuff, which are very easy to pass, but really, you really have to ask yourself, are you mentally stable? Can you handle this? Because it's way more difficult putting yourself out to the public than you would ever think. Mm. Oh my God, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine you're, and that would be tough, right? That would be so tough. But I think it's so incredibly brave of you to come away from that. Because there's probably a lot of people that are like, no, that's my life. That's my livelihood. But actually, you're more than a TV show, right? A hundred percent. And actually, your biggest... Um, you just got to remember, every, every show you watch, you're only seeing 10% of those people, whether it be reality or not. Yeah. You know, you're only seeing a very one-sided version of everyone you see on reality TV. Because every single person that you've seen on TV probably has way more about them than you've ever seen in a 60-minute episode of which they're in it for 30 minutes, uh, three minutes, mm. you know? Mm. And did you make any sort of long-lasting friends and stuff on the show then? Chloe Sims, best friend for life. Lauren Pope, best friend for life. But I went in there friends with them. So we're still very, very close. I've got a lot of great friends behind the camera, um, producers and execs who you know, we're in my corner as much as possible. Um, I love Tommy and Georgia to bits who are still on the show. You know, I love, you know, Gemma and Arge. Gemma and I didn't get along on the show, but now we're really close, funnily enough. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my main yeah. circle. Would you regret the experience of going on the show or no? No, I don't regret anything I've done in my life because everything's led up to the point that I am at today. I love that. I love that. I think that's it, isn't it? A lot of the time we're like, oh, you know, and our biggest actual breakdowns can become our biggest breakthroughs. 100%. And we never realise it at the time when we're in it because it's like, whoa, this is so heavy on my chest. This is consuming me. And um, But actually it's how you then come through it and when you actually internally do the inner work and start to really love yourself and realize that you are enough yes. then you go on to it's who you become on that journey right it's the person it's the lessons that you learn um and what's happening now with i am enough then what what's happening now is you know so following the death of george floyd i launched the, the i'm enough platform as a mental health space where people could have a safe space to share and to be heard without judgment or stigma. Following the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, I realized that as a, as a black gay man, there was very little access to mental health resources for myself growing up. So doing a lot more research, I realized there are very little researches and um, resources to black people for mental health and black people are actually at the highest risk of mental health um, issues. 
um, and other ethnic minorities in Western countries. So I started a fundraiser with I Am Enough to raise money to give free mental health support to black communities, which raised £50,000 in um, a couple of weeks. And we're in the process of getting that help out to people. And I use the platform to just keep telling people to love themselves, to value themselves, to realize that they are loved by others, they are valued, and that people would rather hear about their problems and their deaths. So speak up. Mm, that's beautiful. Beautiful, honestly. So amazing that you're doing that. Thank you. And that's probably one of those things that gets you up in the morning, right? 100%. <laughs> Yeah, you feel like you're really adding value. You yeah. Because a lot of people will watch things and, you know, TV and all that. But actually, this is real life. What you're doing is not only changing lives, but saving lives. And that's massive. Thank you. I'm quite an empath- empathetic, empathetic person. So, like, I'm such an empath. I can feel pain from others and it really affects me. Mm-hmm. So, when I'm on the internet and I read these stories about this and that, I get really affected. I'm, my first initial response is to always how can I help you know so that's what I do every day I wake up and I think how can I help oh, and I help oh, and it honestly nice. makes me feel better well yeah of course I mean I, I I know what it feels like to help people and to work with people um doing this kind of work and it's life-changing like when you impact and you have a part to to support someone and impact in their life in a positive way it's beautiful it's special and it's it's not only that it's the ripple effect it has Faz because you know when you said about suicide it's the people that are left behind right is when you work through and you you talk about what's really inside and open up love to hold space for shame within you because we've got enough love internally that can hold space for pain and shame and anger like love is underneath all of that sometimes we just run away from it right but actually if we open up and we hold that space for all of that and welcome it in with love and kindness um and compassion for ourselves it's the ripple effect it's the the people around you that that then see the benefit of you when you're on that journey of healing and being supported and speaking your truth which is so massive I think so many people don't fully speak their truth because they have a fear of being ostracized or you know um being shamed or being pushed out right not accepted exactly Mm. you have to speak your truth so all we have to offer in the world is ourselves and our truth you know yeah yeah and I saw you actually I saw a post that you'd done um and it was when you were talking about how how people have a part to play on um, people being trolled and people being body shamed and everything like that. And it was obviously the Piers Morgan thing when he was on and he was talking and you put that post out. And I thought you got a lot of love and support on that post, right? Because I think people really do see it. I think people like Piers and, and other people that are on here talking, I don't think they actually realise that they're part of Part of it, right? Part of huge part of it. What's causing it, right? They're like, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't cause that. It wasn't me. You're like, hold on, mate. There's millions of people watching you. Yeah. Listen, Pierce Morgan is a very educated man, so he knows the power of his words more than others. I respect 
who he is and what he's done with his career, but I cannot respect how he uses that platform that's being handed to him or what, or whether that, or that he's worked for. Either way, he has a huge platform and he's using it irresponsibly. You cannot go on national TV and say that people are disgusting for wishing death threats on people because you need to follow that death threat down the line. And when you go down the line and follow it to begin, it starts with him saying something negative about a celebrity on his platform, which mm-hmm. leads to suddenly these trolls are sending death threats. So mm-hmm. follow the journey and you'll see Pierce at the beginning of it. And the problem is a lot of these trolls that message me have four followers on Instagram, sometimes mm-hmm. 200 max. Okay. They're not being heard by anyone. So actually mm-hmm. he's more dangerous because he's been heard by millions and millions of people. So when he goes on TV and says things like, you know, Little Mix use their bodies to sell music when they're all they're four very talented, very mm-hmm. amazingly talented young women. And mm-hmm. um, that is trolling. When he says, you know, that Emma Watson is using different words because she can't find a man. First of all, Emma Watson doesn't need a man. She's an independent, young, successful, beautiful woman. She doesn't need a man. So, but to put that next to each other is horrendous. When you're telling Kim Kardashian that she needs to wear clothes because she looks like a porn star, Okay, it's not your business. Stop mm. commenting on women's bodies. You're not a woman. You're a man. You have a wife. You have kids. Focus on them and stop focusing on what Kim Kardashian's wearing, because mm. that's what encourages trolling. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous and it's negative, and it needs to stop. And you know, even today he went on his his Twitter and he posted something about being kind, like yesterday on the day on on the day of Caroline Flack's death, um, you know, anniversary. And I'm like, you are not kind, though. You contributed to the bad press that contributed to her being driven to kill herself, you know? And that's what he needs to take accountability for. When you sit on your platform and you, it's negative, negative, negative. Sometimes I watch his show and I, and I leave feeling terrible because it's just such negative press, you know? Yeah. That contributes yeah. to Colin. That's how trolling starts. Oh my God. I actually turn it off because it it, it can really trigger me. And I'm like, this is triggering the shit out of me. Like That's I have to so walk cool. away because it's so mean and it's and he talks over people and it's like and and that's it. And then he will go on and say, you know, this is disgusting and it's this, but I'm like, I heard you six months ago saying something else that actually contributed to that. So I totally agree. And he's not the only one, right? But he is a big figure who people watch and want to hear from. And a lot of it is, it's controversy. It's like, it makes good TV. And that's the whole thing. This is the thing around making good TV, you know, but actually we forget that there's human beings, like people who are suffering on the other you side can be that. entertaining without being negative. You can be opinionated without being a hater. There's, it's very easy to do the, to do both, you know. And loads of people do it successfully. So using, you know, that as an excuse is that oh, I'm allowed my opinion is lazy. It's lazy because it's all about the yes. delivery. It's about your delivery and it's about the context. And when you're constantly attacking people, and when no one's asking, no one asks for his opinion of how little mixed dress for a start, you know? So when you're using that like opinion just to be entertaining on national TV, forgetting that these are four very young, very vulnerable girls mm-hmm. that put themselves out there with a talent and an art yeah. and a craft. They're putting music out to the world, you know? It's, it's irresponsible. 
Yeah, uh huh. Amazing. And I love how you articulate it, right? You do it without being a hater, without being opinionated and really throwing stones, right? Yeah. I think, like, I don't know, but you should need to, you need to do more with us, right? Because your voice is, is beautiful and the way you articulate yeah. it, Vaz, is so powerful. And I think, you know, I don't know, you know, I actually don't watch a lot of TV, to be honest with you, right? Because a lot of it is triggering and negative. I certainly don't watch the news um, because it only ever makes me feel, you know, in a funk. But that's personal choice. But I think there's so much there for you. Like, I'd love to just touch on, like, what are your plans for this year? And beyond, like, are you planning to grow this even more? Like, because I think there's something definitely there, right? That, that I've become voice. really excited and really passionate on tackling the misogyny that happens within the media, which um, I've been talking about recently. And I think I, I was very triggered by the Britney Spears documentary. And re- and then, you know, when you read newspapers, read magazines, and you watch shows like Pierce Morgan, you realise how misogynistic this whole industry is. And the most important people in my life are all women. And I stand for women, and I love women, and I respect women. And I will not tolerate men disrespecting women so i think I, something needs to be done to put an end to it because men are not held accountable for most of their actions in the way that women are people always want to see women fail for some reason i don't know but it sort of is irking me at the moment like mm-hmm. i've had enough of it so like i'm really this year focused on trying to like combat that as well as lift the whole nation up to realizing that they are valued and important and loved and to combat suicide so those are my two big missions this year amazing so powerful Vaz you need to have your own like documentary or something like (laughs) I'm seeing this now I'm like like this is beautiful and it matters and it's what you can put out with the way you articulate it the energy, the authenticity, the beauty, like, I'm not going to put pressure on you, like, but I'm like, you need to be doing something with us, like, <laughs> get a show or something because it's beautiful and it's so genuine. Thank you. So genuine. I'd love to see that. Like, you could do that. <laughs> Thank you. That would be awesome. So, um, yeah, just two other things I want to ask you. What has been your highlight, would you say, your biggest highlight and your probably your lowest moment of your sort of, your life up until now? My highlight is right now, living in the present, you know, speaking to you, being present, being helpful, speaking to listen to, to your listeners and being heard. That is a highlight for me. Just every day being present is a highlight. Waking up in the morning. Um, I'm very grateful for all that I have. I'm very grateful for, you know, the opportunity to be able to speak with people like you, the opportunity to even have an iPhone to be able to connect with you. I'm very grateful. So that's a highlight for me. The lowest point of my life would be, you know, the, the point of my suicidal attempts. And the highlight again would be coming through that the other end and being here today and I'm so glad you are thank (laughs) you it's just incredible and I'm so grateful you know that you said yes to coming on and honestly my heart is full 
just sitting listening to you right now and i just want to say thank you so so much faz thank you so much